1: Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio with Nancy and Lisa. You know, we love to have our conversations with Christy Wood. She Mm. is amazing. She is a world... Uh, world-class uh, horse trainer, world champion, not just world, cl- she's just world-class, let's just say that, Christy Wood is world-class, <laughs> uh, but she is our big blend equestrian expert and um, she's joining us to share her latest adventure on the Chief Joseph Trail Ride and this is a, uh, it's a progressive trail ride, it, it goes for 13 years and it's through the Appaloosa Horse Association, so uh, folks who are or the Appaloosa Horse Club and so when you do this, you have to ride an Appaloosa as the Native Americans did as well. So uh, this is an incredible ride. Uh, but as I was saying, Christy is a world champion horse trainer. Uh, she knows all about exhibiting and jump and trail. She's a winner <laughs> in extreme trail obstacle challenges. She's a carted horse show judge with seven breed associations. She's the author of Your Best Horse Show and the children's book Ranger, The Little Horse with a Big Heart. She's also the owner of Wooden Horse Training Stables in Three Rivers, so she's right outside Sequoia National Park. So when you go there for your Sequoia and Kings Canyon National Park adventures, you could go on a trail ride with Christy. So go Mm -hmm. to her website. It's WDN for Wooden, WDNhorse.com. So welcome back, Christy. How are you? I am fine. Thanks
2: for having me join you today.
1: Hey, you're world-class. So, you know, we're very honored.
2: <laughs> well, you are raising... world-class interviewers. <laughs> hey, now, you're, well,
1: you. now you're raising our standards.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love
1: this. This is great. But, you know, this is a story that we've, you know, um, covered over the years as you've been doing this trail ride, not as as long as you've been doing this, because now you're on your second part of it, right? You've done the 13 years and now
2: you're in round two. Yes, I'm on another, uh, it's actually the fifth rotation of the ride because the ride Ooh. started in 1965 with the Appaloosa Horse Club. It takes 13 years to complete the ride and now this is the fifth rotation of the 13 years once again. Well, wow. so I, wow. uh, I completed the rotation uh, the fourth rotation of it on a wonderful horse named Dollar who uh, uh, we went 13 consecutive years and now I'm riding her half brother, a horse named Buckley, on this ride. And I plan to finish the 13 years with him. Awesome. Awesome.
1: So this is, you know, we've talked about this before about this is something that you, you can't, you can't just decide you're going to get on a horse and ride. (laughs) This is something because you're really (laughs) out in the boonies and you need to know your horse, your horse needs to know you, you, you really have to have, you have to be experienced right to do this.
2: Yes, it certainly helps. Um, it's, Mm. It's not a walk in the park. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. It's a walk. It's a ride through beautiful forests and different states, and it's uh, it's a, it can be a real treacherous ride as well. I mean, the Native Americans were eluding the cavalry, and they had some wonderful trails that uh, the cavalry couldn't follow them. And uh, it's up in mountains and down ravines mm-hmm. and crossing rivers, uh, going through bogs. Um, mm-hmm. We're up above the snow level on the Continental Divide. It's just a beautiful, beautiful ride. So yes, experience helps for you and definitely for your horse. Mm-hmm. So with with this, it,
1: what states are covered? Let's let's go through that so people can understand a little bit. And let's talk a little bit All about right. Chief Joseph because he he was the leader of the Nez Perce, right?
2: Yes, he was. He was a uh, he actually inherited being chief because his father had passed away, and um, uh, he, they were a peaceful tribe. The Nez Perce were known uh, as a peaceful tribe. Uh, matter of fact, they were uh, helped Lewis and Clark when they got lost and didn't, ran out of food. And they took them in and fed them. And uh, so Lewis and Clark actually wrote in their journals about the Nez Perce and about the beautiful uh, uh, spotted horses that they had at that time. Mm. And mm. Uh, at the, when they had met Lewis and Clark, they were <clears throat> on the Palouse River in uh, Washington. And uh, uh, they mentioned that they were, had such beautiful uh, Palouse ponies, they called them. And they said and that's how their name actually got started. People would point to them and say, oh, there's a beautiful Palouse pony because Mm. they were on the Palouse River, and the word eventually, uh, the name eventually uh, formed itself to be Appaloosa. Oh, wow. But they were a peaceful tribe. Chief Joseph was peaceful. And, of course, you know, in 1877, um, you know, the Calvary was rallying up all the Indians because they just thought they needed to take their land and and, uh, control what Mm. they thought were savages. And um, um, Chief Joseph had an ultimatum. He had to either move on to the reservation or um, suffer the consequences. Mm. And he chose to uh, live in freedom, then live under white man's rule. And he packed up 2,000 horses and 900 people. And he eluded the cavalry for 1,300 miles, trying to find his way to, or trying to make his way to Canada to find sanctuary, because that's where Crazy Horse had gone after the uh, Little Ma- uh, little Bighorn Massacre with uh, mm. General Custard. Yeah. So the uh. Uh, the trail ride starts in actually Joseph, Oregon, in the Wall of the Valley, and uh, goes mm. up through... Uh, Grangeville and up through the Lolo Pass in Idaho, drops down into uh, Montana again, and then cuts over east and goes to Yellowstone. And then turns due north and goes directly up past Billings all the way up to the town of Chinook, which is 40 miles below the Canadian border where unfortunately Chief Joseph had to surrender. Uh, He was out of food and blankets and his people were dying and he said surrender is the best way to have my people survive. Mm,
1: no,
2: man, it was so close. Yeah, yeah. So. you know, you just got to
1: think what it what it was like back then, and mm-hmm. being on horseback like they were. But obviously, you're not you're not you know fleeing. But do you get that feeling when you're riding? Like, it, does that sit with you while you're, you're well?
2: Going? They well they made a pretty they made almost twenty miles a day themselves. So uh, that's what we do about it, you know, give or take a few miles, depending on where camp's going to be the next night. We do a hundred miles in a week. Wow. They did these 1,300 miles in three and a half months. So they were constantly moving. It was exhausting. Uh, you know, mm. we were trying to, to, to take uh, young people, older people, um, mm-hmm. trying to carry your supplies. And they have a herd of 2,000 Appaloosa horses. So they're trying to elude the cavalry. And, um, you know, a few times when they tried to rest, the cavalry would sneak up on them. And there was one major battle at the Big Hole where they lost uh, 90, 90 Native Americans there. And, um, I mean, it's a constant push to flee for your life.
1: Mm. Wow. When you, when you ride, do you think about them? Oh, constantly. Mm. It's,
2: it's, uh, it's breathtaking to see the country that they love so much and that meant a lot to them. The trails they took were actually the hunting trails. So when they left Oregon and went up through Idaho, this was a the trail they took to get to Yellowstone for their mm. buffalo hunts. Mm. But it's uh, very treacherous over the Lolo Pass, um, very difficult, and the cavalry couldn't uh, chase them because they couldn't pull their um, cannons. You know, and their oh. horses were not as uh, stout and um, sure-footed, and bred to be mountain horses like the like the Appaloosa horse was. So mm. they um, they they kind of lost uh, lost track of them, in, in, many times because of that. But. Um, mm. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. ride. It's just beautiful to see this. There's so so many parts of history that come alive on the trail. There's uh, many, many um, plaques and um, uh, pictures and things that uh, you know in, in, uh, <clears throat> and the, the National Forest Service has put up to, to commemorate what happened on this trail. It's nat- now a national historic Trail, the Nez Perce Trail. Mm, and you can actually right. drive part of it and walk part of that and and, uh, and see ride part of it the yeah things there. Well, we're riding most of it, that's for sure. There's only reason we don't, aren't on a, the actual trail, maybe for every single step, is because of uh, landowners and different things that have happened or um, major washouts a couple of years ago. The Lolo Pass had some major damage done to it, and um, mm. so things like that happen. But you, could, um, you can drive most of it and try to hike most of it if you like, but of course it's much, it's much better on horseback. You get a feel for it um, being on horseback.
1: Nancy, we're going to have to do
2: part of it. We're going to be
1: back in Oregon next year. Sure. So, what what are the dates for the next year? Do you know?
2: Next year, it's usually the third week of July, but we're not oh, in Oregon man. now. We've already we're on your we're going to be on year five next year of the trail. So, we are going to probably start near Highway Twelve and the Lolo Hot Springs and um, drop down into uh, Hamilton, Montana. Oh wow! Next year, wow. So where were you this year? This year was, um, was the fourth year to ride, and it should have been um, up in the Lolo Pass. The Lolo Pass got washed out two years ago, and because COVID hit, they never really got a crew in there to uh, put it all back together, and so we had a modification of the ride this year, uh, which was um, uh, called the Muscle Shell Meadows, and um, it's north of Grangeville and east of um, Uh, Oh my goodness! I can't remember now the town. I'm sorry, Uh, but it's um, over on Highway 12, just just uh, south of uh, the Lolo Pass,
0: Hmm. and uh,
2: just beautiful, beautiful riding. And there's many um, many historic uh, things to see for the trail uh, on this on this leg of it. And um, sometimes the modification has to happen because of, uh, again because of weather. And then of course not only COVID, but last year when the ride was scheduled. It got canceled five days before it was supposed to start because a major fire broke out. And yeah. actually, there was a fire crew in our assembly camp. <laughs> oh, and so wow. They don't need 150 riders coming in and, and uh, yeah. being up there when there's a major fire going on. So they canceled the ride.
0: So the yeah, ride's well, a little bit too. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess. For elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial.
2: Well, of course. Yeah, for the horses yeah. and for the people. We don't need to be in the way. No, and, right, And of course, where we camp is very, very remote. So there's no point in trying to put people in danger with uh, where we camp and it was That's wise to cancel it last year. So we're two years behind basically on our, our segments, but we start, we uh, will be with year five next year.
1: That's excellent. So when you do this, um, are, is it always like if somebody wanted to start, could they start on, on, you know, next year or do they have to wait till the next year?
2: Okay no so they can... you you can come in and start anywhere and if you uh, if you have to skip a year or two, um, they give certificates for uh, rewarding people for showing up and and being on the ride, whether you're a driver or a rider just participating on the ride. Um, they give a five year certificate a ten year certificate, and then thirteen years for completing the ride and it can be any thirteen years combination um, You know, I'm just so organized that I decided to start at the beginning in 2004 and ride all the way through to 2017, and I did it all consecutively. And if you do 10 years consecutively on the same horse, your horse actually earns a medallion for doing that. Oh,
0: wow. So that's kind of nice. nice. And then
2: the horse gets a certificate at the end of the 13 years as well. So (laughs) (laughs) And and extra carrots. and extra yes. oh, lots of extra carrots. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's all, so what? Yeah, that's a you, you know, thinking about that. What what happens on the ride? Th- does it change what you feed your horses versus you know when they're at home? Um, because you know they're really out. You know they've <laughs> got to be fit. I mean they've got to be fitter than the riders almost.
2: Well, yeah, number one, should... yes, you you and your horse have to be both be fit you have to be physically ready to sit in that saddle for, you know, an average of 20 miles a day and not just, again, flat lamb. We're talking, we're talking climbing hills up to 9,500 foot elevation. And then riding down on the mountain on the other side. So you've got to be comfortable going up and down. (laughs) Your horse has to be fit um, for all of that. And, Mm. you know, experiencing major water crossings, bogs, uh, deadfalls, which are trees that are down. You just have to be able to negotiate things along the trail that, you know, they're going to be a little bit of a snag. And so you and your horse have to be ready for that Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. and feeding as an answering your question about feeding. Yes. You need to fit uh, the nights of fitting, but you feed a horse to be fit for this as well. And there's a lot of things to monitor. Um, I I experienced uh, extreme dryness of all things coming from California, getting up into Idaho is even more arid than Mm -hmm. California. And my horses Mm. would experience some dehydration need to monitor how much horse your water drinks, encourage your horse to drink more water. Um, there's different things I can feed and take care of my horse if those problems arise. Plus we have a ride veterinarian that is with us every single day going out on the trail and in camp, but they provide, um, some local hay for you to feed your horse, but you can't just surprise a horse and the switch feed like that because believe it or not, as big and strong as they look, they have a very delicate constitution. So you need to monitor how you feed your horse. And I usually take uh, my hay from home and mix it a little bit with theirs. But uh, you just got to monitor what your, you know, what your horse is eating and, and how well they're eating and just keep that, keep them fit with nutrition and uh, be ready for this ride. Wow. Mm-hmm. So where do you sleep? Well, well she I have into uh, a lottie dog. No, wait,
1: Christy no. <laughs> checks into a fancy five-star hotel because she's world class.
2: I've got a horsey hotel. I have my horsey yes. I call it. Yeah. Uh, no, so many people tent. Some people will come with campers on and pulling their two horse trailers or or whatever type of trailer they want to pull. Some people come with living quarter horse trailers, but you have to be careful with that because there is a length limit to how long your trailer can be. Because if you come, I have a horse trailer that I use for my horse shows and when I'm hooked up to it, it's 47 feet long. So that's way too big and Mm. way too long to get up into the mountains and do the switchbacks and the curves. Um, So you have to be careful with the length that you take and um, I have a smaller trailer uh, that's a two horse with a, a gooseneck, which means it's got a sleeping, a sleeping area above the bed of the truck. So it works out perfectly for me. It's, uh, I can put everything in there I need for my horses and for myself. And I'm very comfortable. I don't have to sleep on the ground. And I really don't want to pitch a tent. I really like having that trailer to run into in case there's inclement weather. Um, there's enough room to get five or six people in there if we have to eat dinner, if there's a storm. I mean, it's, um, it's very comfortable for me.
1: That's cool. cool. Yeah, I know. I want to do parts of this. You know, I know we've talked about it, and our timing has always been, you know, weird. And it's just the way the road is, you know. But um, I really hope one day we get at least get there, and maybe when I we do so Oregon, too. I'll do some. I'll well, at least do some. Well,
2: we will you not know... be back in Oregon. We're not. We're not going to be back in Oregon now for yeah. another thirteen years.
1: Well, uh, but so at least Nancy to... and I could do <laughs> some part of the trail because I know from we're going to be there in June and then um, go back across the country but we could do part of the Yes, you could certainly trail. hike
2: some of it. Take a day and, yeah. and, and, and go hike it and start out yeah. in Joseph, Oregon. It's just a beautiful town um, and, and see part of it if you like. And then yeah. try, to, try to come to Assembly Camp. The first night is really exciting uh, to meet new people and to see the people that have come back after years and years and years. One lady uh, last year a uh, wonderful lady I know from uh, Idaho has been on the ride 45 years. So you wow. make some wonderful friendships. People have been just mm. so committed to this. And you could come to assembly um, camp and have dinner with us and just sort of uh, meet the introduction and watch the, uh, the trail start um, mm. each time, you know, wherever that's going to be if you get yourself to uh, assembly camp. That's cool. I, I want to do this. It's so...
1: I just, I think it's, what I love about it is that you're keeping this story of Chief Joseph yes. alive. And I think it's something we, we need to, we can't forget these stories and what happened and, and what has been done. And, you know, we don't want these things to happen again. And,
2: you know, there's just no, so there's, much yeah, going on. A right, there's a wonderful part of history. And that's the reason I'm writing the book. So my third book is about the Chief Joseph Trail right. And uh, that's what I want to do is just keep, is keep this ride alive. There's definitely a lot of interest. Um, uh, this ride this year was a little bit smaller because it's the first time back after COVID and the fire. We sure. had a two-year break. So we only had 90 riders this year, but it was still very enjoyable. And, you know, the diehard folks and the people that just love it will make, uh, will make sacrifices to get there. And no matter what, they will be there. And that's how I am. I'm just, I'm just so wrapped up in this. It's part of my core. Mm. And it's something I I plan. I live my, I live my life basically around the third week of July and everything else has to kind of fall into place (laughs) around that and all the plans that I make for it. Really. It's just, uh, I'm just committed
1: to it. I I think this is awesome, you know, because, um, and that you're writing a book on it. So uh, when you have been doing all these rides over the years, you know, since you've been doing it since 2004, have you kept like a journal or, you (laughs) know, notes of,
2: of what the trip was like or anything like that? Yes, I have some notes um, and even thinking throughout the, I was wanting, I've been wanting to write this book for a long time and um, with my, my parents had some health issues and, and then their passing and things and, you know, life gets in the way. And so every time I would think about this or something would happen on my own trail ride that brought back memories, I would write little notes down and I put them in, (laughs) stuffed them in a, in kind of a closet and it's so funny. And then uh, this July, it just all hit me. It said, it's time to write opened up mm. that book. You remember seeing commercials of how people open a closet and all the, all the elements <laughs> fall out of the closet. They've been stuffing in there for years. Well, that's happened to me. So I had to put together a storyboard, almost like making a movie of all right. the thoughts I had for all the years. So yes, I had plenty of notes and I took some wonderful photos oh, um, cool. for the first 13 years. So I really, mm. my photos are definitely almost uh, my uh, jogging my memory beautifully. And I'm getting a fantastic recall of what happened, you know, long ago, nice. or, you know, Seventeen years ago now, and the book is just coming along beautifully. It's just flowing, so it's just uh, it's a blast to write about it. And uh, it's not going to be. I'm making definitely a claim that it's not a historical document. It's what I have learned on the ride Mm. um, of the history from my experience through the uh, you know the park rangers that have spoken to us, uh, Native Americans, the descendants of Chief Joseph uh property owners who great great grandfather actually met chief joseph when they crossed their land there's so many people that bring stories to you on this ride that um that's it's my interpretation basically my memoirs of of the ride mm. Mm.
1: this is exciting mm-hmm. you know, just, it just like i was saying it keeps this history alive and and the nez Perks exactly. too exactly you know mm-hmm. right. um you, yeah. the, you know we're we're losing our our tribal people in <clears> in different ways um, right. uh, I mean, literally losing them, um, which is unfortunate, especially up in Canada, uh, which is, uh, I don't know why these women are, they're just disappearing and people are killing them or taking them as slaves. I don't know what's, it's, um, it's horrific. And, you know, it's, I just, I, I want, I don't know. I just want everybody to get along. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, of course. Just, like, can't we well, just the
2: Americans. Yeah you know, the Native Americans didn't have, um, and of course, nobody, the Americans early in 1800s didn't have computers and recorders and everything else. So everything was mm. an oral history. Yes. And so grandmothers would tell their children and great-grandchildren um, the stories through oral history. And uh, matter of fact, there's a little unique uh, item, uh, a unique item that I use when I actually uh, have done the Rose Parade and show my horse, horses in the heritage class at the Appaloosa horse shows. It's called a story string. And every Every time they would stop at night, they would pick up an item that would remind them of that camp that night and where they were. And they actually oh, wow. had to tell a story by looking back at either a pebble, a stick, a rock, uh, something unique, you know, a bone, whatever it is that was at the camp that night, and wrap it in and attach it to the story string. So they can go back and remember and tell the stories of how their people moved to the country and, and moved to it in order to uh, flee the Calvary. So it's everything was an oral oral, uh
0: right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. History. And we
2: need to keep that alive. But the trouble is, yes, we're losing older Native Americans mm-hmm. that have now passed on. But luckily, they're recording this. They're bringing their language back alive. I know the Lakotas uh, mm-hmm. uh, Indians in South Dakota, the Nez Perce, or everybody's bringing their language back. And uh, it's now encouraged to do that. You know, early in the early 1900s, they were discouraged mm-hmm. in speaking their own language. And they had to wear white man's clothes and cut their hair and everything else. They were yeah, discouraged, some, but, some also, circle, but also- circle, which is nice.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but it also they didn't want them to understand everything. There was also a um, fear. I mean, come on. It, it's also like, hey, don't let the white man know what we're doing or what we're saying. This is our stuff, not theirs. And look what they're doing right. and have done, you know. So I think yes. there was a protection, you know, just a real protective part of of that, which is very respected. Um, when we were in Louisiana, Natchitoches, Louisiana, a few years back, or we go every year. and It's like, you know. It, we're we're obsessed with this area because of the it's just culturally mm-hmm. diverse and people coming from all walks of life and around the world in this area and mm-hmm. it's just a, it's fascinating. They have a festival, a folk festival, every year at the university, and we went mm-hmm. for the 40th annual one, which was something like a, a bucket list, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And and you're seeing, you seeing there was a Native American. Uh, weavers basket basket weavers they were mm-hmm. they were weaving oh. and we met an an, an mm-hmm. elder and she was all her stuff sold out within an hour like she was just sitting oh. there and telling people stories mm-hmm. and I wish we could have recorded it because she would have been fine but you know it's such a loud hall and she was just so soft-spoken and oh, um, yeah. she was saying that her family there was only 600 left of her tribe and her mm-hmm. dad was instrumental of documenting their language and creating the, like the alphabet, like their language yeah. and making it and her dad w- and got it into the library of Congress. And uh, so they are documented. But like you think of, that's what I was saying where when you think of a tribe only having 600 people, that's a, that, I mean, small. I know schools yes. that have yes. more kids in them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, it's small. um to preserve this history and tell it is, is crucial. We have a friend, jim ostick who um has hiked the pacific crest trail um I, i've probably told you about him he's you know cycled mm-hmm. the perimeter of the country he's walked across the yeah. country because oh, this maybe. is what you do when you retire um mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> across the country but he's 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 like that you know we're, we all have that um wild hair on us that we we've got to do these you know epic adventures and mm-hmm. um he wrote his book on Pacific on the Pacific Crest Trail, but you know, everybody's written their memoirs and or um how to guides, etc. And he's mm-hmm. like, I have to do this different. And um he's very connected with the Native American culture of his area in central California. He's just over the hill from you in San Juan Batista. Oh. And uh okay. he wrote it on the Native American culture. So when you're hiking, what tribes mm-hmm. lived here? What happened to them? What were you know, if you oh, find yeah. an arrowhead, what was it? What was it made of? Mm-hmm was it traded, you know, that kind of thing. Certainly. Well, and also look around, how did you sustain
2: yourself? So you had to live off the land, you know, you had Mm -hmm. to have mother earth would have to take care of you, you know, with either berries or roots, digging up roots and, and, um, you know, just finding food. It's Um, just a different way to
1: look at it when you're, when you're on, like if you're hiking or on horseback, if you're in a car, yeah, you're not seeing much, Mm -hmm. but it, when, when you're out in it, like heat, he managed to, I mean, that was, it's just so much work. And that's what I was wondering with you and your book Oh to Mm -hmm. look at what, I know you're following the Nez Perce, but there were also other tribes in that region too. Right. So there's all these Mm -hmm. different cultures and tribes and different foods, like you're saying, but also the folklore. And he was gathering their stories of, um, like out at Taco. Talk- Taco. I hope I've got the right. Now I've got the wrong mountain. I don't know, but in Idlewild, there's like a, there's a story yeah, talk about. With talk with Pines. Pines is in Idlewild. Okay, in so California. oh, I, hey, yes. hey, I got points then, cool. and you, you see, your world class. <laughs> you, you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. But <laughs> but yeah, you know that that there's this, you know, things can go wrong or right according to the spirit, to this one spirit, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, he it's things went wrong for him on that part but it's um (laughs) these stories like we were talking about there were these oral stories and to be able to have them in a book and if you're going to hike the trail or you're going to do you know follow the chief joseph joseph trail to understand what you're walking through and who was there why what happened how did they survive like you were saying i just think it's it's this is the crucial thing this you know we've got travel guides in the world but we need these Mm -hmm. stories so you know Mm -hmm. what you're you can appreciate
2: I respect. Yeah, that this is going more grassroots stories. Yes. I like that. Exactly.
1: Oh man. Nancy, let's go. Let's go hiking. <laughs> let's sure. Go hiking. <laughs> I want to but listen, I'm not doing it in the winter. Okay. So no, we to no, you, you couldn't get over those passes now. No. No, uh-huh. no. We're going to be there in the summer and I'm all good with that. So do you, okay, this, I know we probably brought this up, but what about snakes on the trail? Do you guys worry no. about that? <laughs> I have to bring them up. You no, know, <laughs> I
2: haven't seen one. I haven't seen um, one on the Chief Joe trail ride, but they have um. been in camp. <laughs> so not on the trail, but it's, we've had a few rattlesnakes in camp. Yeah. Um, you know, you just have to be kind of prepared. Usually when 150 riders show up and horse trailers and trucks pull into a, a large yeah. field for camping, usually the snakes uh, want to leave. They're not going to hang around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, it just depends. I think almost but, uh, no, like, snakes snake aren't a big, big problem, really.
1: Yeah. Wildlife, it's like no, this this yeah, and this is huge. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah,
2: because there's yeah. there's a
1: sound with a bunch of horses. I mean that oh, that yeah. is oh, like of course. A thunder,
2: right? And the vibration. You know? Can you imagine? You can imagine 150 horses stomping the ground. No snake's mm-hmm. going to hang around. He's going to get out of there.
1: Yeah, they're like, going to feel uh, that and
2: know it's time time to leave. But um, okay,
1: mm-hmm. I know we've asked this before, but I, I'm, I'm circling back on it. So you've got the Appaloosa horse. So they really are trained for. You know, that breed is really good at it mountain climbing, et cetera, and going up. And yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. that's hard riding. And, and even like, you know, we watch TV and you see people crossing rivers on horseback. Do you know, that's just not mm-hmm. that easy if your horse isn't prepared. <laughs> there's rocks and stuff, you know, you're they slippery. have to know, be sure-footed. Like oh, right. And you need,
2: right, and there's a lot of horses that come from uh, sort of the cities, we'll say, or the suburbs that never really cross major streams. And we're talking sometimes river all, rivers that are, that are high enough when you cross all the way up to the knees, my knees in the saddle. So it Mm. just depends how deep it's going to be. And if we have to cross it, we have to cross it. So um, you need to get your horse comfortable with that. And it's not just the elements on the trail as well, and negotiating rocks and trees and everything else. A horse has to be comfortable with another 150 other horses.
0: So it's a little tough sometimes to get
2: your horse prepared for that. You have to call up 150 friends saying, let's go for a trail ride. (laughs) That's a little (laughs) difficult. (laughs) So you just have to know your horse's mannerisms and their attitude uh, there are some safety mm-hmm. measures we have. Um, if a horse is really uncomfortable with that many, uh, they, they tie a little red ribbon on the horse's tail, which means the horse could possibly kick. It might need a mm-hmm. little more room and people respect that and make sure that, it's just, that you don't let your horse bump into that horse in front of you that's got a red ribbon in its tail. Mm-hmm. So there's some safety mm-hmm. issues there. And just uh, just have to get your horse acclimated the best you can with what you're gonna, you're gonna experience on the trail. Why not I mean, they tie a me-
1: red ribbon on Lisa's, the back of Lisa's head? <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> I doubt he's going to kick anybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I do, I do. Um, I, I wonder about mules. And that's what—that's where I was going with that. Because mules, like you know, we think about the mules that came through in Colorado. I mean, in Colorado, California, Nevada—how they were used in mines. Are they sure-footed enough to do something like this? Do you think if they? Well, sure, mules the are
2: yes, but you—you you have to ride a registered appaloosa now. We do have a few yeah. mules on the ride. Are there, There is the pack animals. So our veterinarian and our medical doctor actually have a few pack mules that people will uh, pony, which means you lead another horse when you head out on the trail. There are pack mules that take the supplies each day. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're very sure-footed. Mules are very sure-footed, but you need yeah. to be riding astride on a registered Appaloosa.
0: Wow.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. I just, yeah, because I always thought mules would be something that you could do. I mean, I understand the, the need and, and the reasoning for Appaloosas, but I always thought mules... Are pretty sure-footed, as as far as I recall. But I, I, yeah. I don't know if I've written mm-hmm. one. But I've always heard that that they're sure-footed and pretty good at you know. I mean, they don't they take people down the Grand Canyon on a mule? Yes, it
2: they a yeah, they mm-hmm. do. Yeah, yeah. No, no, the mules,
1: they're mules mm-hmm. go. Mules go. Well, yeah, way nah, cool, bruh. Christy. This yeah. is exciting. I'm excited about your book and cannot wait. So get on it. Get I finished.
2: <laughs> well, I plan to it. as soon as this get interview is over with. My pen is in hand. Oh, I'm ready to it. go. Good. No, no, it's
1: it's exciting. It's and, and just to follow that. So I, Nancy and I, we will do something somewhere. Um, I'll I'll look up all the mapping and everything and see. I know when you have like a national historic trail, you can you kind of get online and and find maps. But for you guys, I mean. Is it a different, because you're looking at actual land, um, and I know that there's, you know, all these different trails, and you're trying to follow this main trail, but are you really well, using the organizers, wilderness maps, right?
2: Yeah, the organizers of the of the trail, of the ride, um, you know, will let us know. And as a matter of fact, I can send you that email when we get the information packet, and it's, it's finally out online. I'll, I'll let you know where assembly camp's going to be. For next year but they um you know they pre-ride this ride they go ahead and make sure that they can get to the trails that they were that they used maybe 13 years ago or they're again they may have to modify it <clears throat> slightly because land can change hands people can sell some land and the trail may cross that particular land and we have to get permission from
0: mm-hmm. everybody
2: who owns the land that we cross that you know maybe please come through with 150 riders and you know, 100 trucks and trailers, and can we possibly camp in this field? In your old, in a field, so they, there's a lot of work, pre-work that goes in, and the crew does a beautiful job of finding places where we can camp, where we can cross, uh, follow the trail as closely, closely, as we can to the actual Nez Perce Trail, mm. and they make it work. Wow. Nice, cool. nice. Well, it's epic. It is epic. Yeah, it is. I wonder. It's very
1: epic. Yeah, if if you could have a, a conversation with Chief Joseph. I think he would dig what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think he would. He would, you know. I think so too. I think
2: he'd be, yeah, because he never really got to see the end result of what he did, Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that uh, then later on in 1938, actually, the Appaloosa Horse Club was established in 1938. They were the first registered horse breed association in the United States. And a group of men got together and said, "We need to preserve this breed. We need to bring the breed back to what it originally was." And when I say that is because when Chief Joseph was captured up at Bear Paw, 40 miles below the Canadian border, um, they sold off quite a few of the Appaloosa horses to local farmers um, oh. and they crossed oh. them on draft horses. So they bred the Appaloosa with draft horses oh. to do, to work in the fields and, you know, be work horses. So the... Mm. the Late 1800s, early 1900 horses, when you would see an Appaloosa, you'd see a horse with a very large head, we called it a, sort of a jug head, of a draft horse, and also with a uh, shorter ratted tail, because that's the breed, that's what the draft horse has, and they mixed that blood. So the Appaloosa Horse Club was established by some men that really wanted to preserve this breed. They went back to outcrossing to Quarter Horse's Arabian and some thoroughbreds to bring back in the conformation and the body type that they had originally the chief Joseph had developed to get that breed back to what it looked like. So they established Mm -hmm. a breed and registered horses and uh, uh, started out with some good foundation Appaloosa horses. And um, the rest is history. Luckily we still have this beautiful breed because of some men that had the foresight to preserve it in 1938.
1: Wow. That's awesome. It's bad to lose a breed of any animal species. It's, it's, we just can't do that. We got to stop doing stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes if you don't keep the lines pure, it gets diluted, and it's uh, mm-hmm. great to bring that back and and preserve it. So that's what yeah. they were doing. So, I have a horse story for you. You know
1: how you sent okay. us on a horse a horse mission across the country on our Love Your Parks yes. tour to find horse mm-hmm. stories. It's it's incomplete because. We were unsuccessful on this, but it's still a oh. really, I think you'll appreciate this. And you probably have heard of the horse. Uh, so we were in Michigan this uh, summer. We My my best friend from high school flew over from England and we went to high school together in South Africa. And now she lives in England. And oh, really? um, her daughter has a friend in this tiny town called Coldwater, Michigan. It's small, like really, okay. it's a little farming town. And um, so we're there and we got to reunite. It's all wonderful. And it was the last night. And then um, her daughter's friend's family was there. And one guy's like, well, because we went to go see if there were any parks, right? You know how we have to do that. And Mm -hmm. he said, well, did you go to the Coldwater graveyard? And we're like, no. Like, I don't know. there. Why? Well, apparently there's a famous Civil War horse buried Mm -hmm. there.
0: Ah. And
1: his name is Old Sam. And apparently oh. Coldwater, Michigan is known for breeding horses that were used in the Civil War. So this mm-hmm. is what this, I mean, who knew, right? Of this little, mm-hmm. yeah. I got the who News, Nancy. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> so we, in the morning, and we had to get our butts over to actually where we are now in Wisconsin. We had to like floor it to make it. And, but we're like, we're going to the mm-hmm. graveyard. Well, there's a great, the graveyard split over like a main road. So Mm -hmm. but we couldn't find the grave that's where it sucked and we did look for almost 45 minutes like in this graveyard which was an incredible graveyard Mm -hmm. so we didn't find the grave and i'm looking at photos online and i'm trying to it it just we could not find it which is unfortunate but this horse did like some like six battles Mm. on the front lines on the front front lines and came back he became this war hero of just he kept going um uninjured or you know just this this long story and i'll send you a link to it Mm -hmm. but we're not done but i just thought you know we forget about what the horses went through in the civil war
2: you know um Mm -hmm. they
1: they were they were soldiers too you know yes they
2: were and Mm -hmm. same for the 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 native americans the native americans lost some horses along the way because of that and i mean that's how you're going to disable a a soldier or a brave is take their horse down yeah oh excuse me so yeah i mean
1: he he went to twelve battles. He mm, fought twelve wow, and wow. fought twelve battles. Yeah, that's Poor incredible.
2: Jeez, yeah, that's great. I think they made died... a movie about a horse like that uh, a couple of years ago.
1: Maybe it's, it's him. I don't. Yeah, he was twenty-seven years old when he died, and that's a oh, long life. wonderful.
2: Yes, that, it is. Um,
1: so, uh, anyone going over there, if you find the grave, let us know. It's an Oak Grove Cemetery in Coldwater, Michigan. It's just this cool story so we're not done we're we're gonna find it we're
2: gonna go find that grave go back and find yeah take a picture definitely take a picture of that Mm -hmm. when you
1: find it oh my gosh i'm calling you from his grave are you kidding me i'm taking photos (laughs) we'll call you i'm gonna say christy look we found it yeah
2: please (laughs) yeah we'll do a live video chat yes yeah exactly
1: exactly it's an amazing talking about long
2: lives lives, yeah talking about Mm -hmm. long lives the the little the ranger the horse the book that i wrote ranger Mm -hmm. ranger lived to be 32 years young Wow. Notice I didn't say old. He was 32 years young. This horse was amazing. At the, at, wow. When he was 30, he was taking a little girl into a horse show and jumping over fences at 30. Wow. He was just a wonderful horse. So that's why it's such a great oh. book. He had a long life. Oh, mm. man. That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: By, By the well, way, everyone. The, yeah, go ahead.
2: Just to let ahead. you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, uh, it's not really a children's book. I mean, it's a book that children can read. It's really wonderful about that. But it really is a book for all ages. Are you talking
1: about Ranger? Ranger.
2: Yeah. Yes, yes, Ranger, okay. the little horse with the big heart. It's, it's for all ages. It's for people that really want to know how a horse thinks because Ranger wrote the book. It's oh. in his voice. So you're really going to get it in his head and, and understand what they're thinking and what they do. It it's going to
1: be Mr. Ed. Yes. yes. <laughs> for us. <laughs> Well, everyone, Christ, Christy's books are on her website. You can go to WDN for Wooden, so WDNhorse.com. And she's also got really cool gifts on there, just saying, since the holidays are coming. So for horse lovers, um, really cool uh, gifts that are handcrafted on there. So you want to check that out. And to learn mm-hmm. more about the Appaloosa Horse Club and the Chief Joseph Trail Ride, go to Appaloosa.com. And uh, we'll keep following this story over the years. I think every time you come home, we do another interview on it It's and see how, it, how the last year went and kind of remind us all about who Chief Joseph is and the Nez Perce tribe. So uh, hopefully um, people get out there and, and explore and experience that trail too. keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. And as always, when we do this show, we love to uh, close with music from Everen Ozan, Native American flute player and uh this is a song called Great Blue Sky because I figure that that's what you see when you ride, right? I mean, unless there's weird that's weather. Right. But that's the right. Great Blue Sky. Uh, and this is uh, from his album, As Things Could Be. And you can keep up with him at ozenmusic.com. Thanks so much, Christy. Thank you, ladies. It was wonderful chatting with you again. Good to you chat too. with you. And keep it world class.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>